0: Hello, and welcome to the Art of Purpose podcast. If this is your first time listening in, well, welcome, and thank you so much for joining me. If you are a returning listener, you may know that I have been doing some purposeful pauses, which have been shorter, sharing insights and reminders, which have been really fun for me as, you know, I'm very fond of reminders because they really are necessary on this journey. I wanted to share with you that lately I have been in the midst of a program I'm offering called the Summer of Purpose, which really isn't only about summer, it's about life. And I have been very blessed to have some lovely inspirational conversations with several awesome women around creating more balance in our lives, using community support and learning from others on how to prioritize ourselves, set intentions, especially focusing in on physical wellness, emotional well-being, spiritual growth, and creative experimentation. I hope that you enjoy these episodes as much as I had in conversing with these wonderful women. They are full of wonderful information and tools to assist us on this journey of life. Be curious. Welcome to the Art of Purpose podcast, a show where we explore the joys and challenges of living a fulfilling life. I'm your host, Gayla. I'm an Alaskan, an artist, and an encourager. I'll be sharing my own personal stories and practical advice, bringing you inspiration, motivation, and support as you practice the art of purpose. Well, hi, Leah. Thank you so much for joining me today, Um, I always right. love talking with you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> well, likewise. Um, yes, it's uh, it's an honor to have you part of the uh, Summer of Purpose speaker series and sharing um, all the wealth of goodness and love and open heartedness that you have with us. Um, I'm excited to share with everybody and um you. And- I'll always glean uh, what I, you know, what I can or what I do from you as well. So I'm excited for our conversation today. Um, so let's, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's dive in. I was telling, you know, as we were speaking just before the call, I was saying our conversations always end up being this like unfolding of surprise and richness. And it's like there's an there's intention, and then there's also this just like the delight of unfoldment. And so. I have been looking forward to this, and I'm so honored that you invited me. So thank you again. Thank you. Um,
0: So let's just start with, tell us a little bit about you and um, what your background is and what got you started in what you're doing.
1: Yes. Um, So I was reflecting on that question and thinking one thing that I wanted to share with this audience it occurred to me that along the way like throughout life i've always had many interests and um there has been a lot of messaging and i think there is a lot of messaging about how you need to pick one thing about you know being a jack of all trades and a master of none and those sort of criticisms and judgments were often like loomed like these shadows in my consciousness for a while. Um, but not so much so that they completely eclipsed like my own curiosity and drive and desire. And um, and so what I wanted to say was that it, there were so many things. I'm like how I ended up here today. I mean, one of the things I thought of was like as a child, I love to spend time by myself in my room watching the dust motes float through the sunshine (laughs) and like just just like i don't i was what you would call like spacing out and um and i want to share a tool at the end of this conversation that you know years later like decades later from being decades away from being that child who was like daydreaming spacing out in her room um you know, I learned through a series of trainings that they're actually like techniques, like meditation techniques, and that was what I was doing innately as a child. And like things like that um, are essential to well-being. And and then the other thing I thought of was sometimes when contemplating or not contemplating at all, these like dust motes in the sunbeams. I I had this poster of Albert Einstein because I loved Albert. Einstein, do love Albert Einstein and was just fascinated with like a mind like that. And I, to me, he was a great humanitarian too. And I was just, I don't know why, just so as a child, even obsessed with what made certain people just flower into the, like into this genius and into this creative genius. And I, that was a thread that I always stuck with. Like just having a curiosity about um, this, this greatness that that flowered within people and particularly like creative genius that also had this touch to me of um, like a humanitarian or a spiritual or even mystical quality. And then what seems like a long way from that, I, long story short, went to law school. <laughs> and- All side road little side road, and um and it did not feel like I was like flourishing there. It was challenged and it was satisfying in some ways and in other ways, like was was a sort of um pressure cooker. I see it like as a time of alchemy now where um, from that pressure, I think was born this desire to know what it was to flourish. And I had thought that like higher education would do it. And then I understood after that, like what I was really in search of was wisdom, like how to live a good life. Like, what does that mean? What actually is it that allows like the human spirit to awaken and flower? Um, I had, yeah, there were some like difficult times there, but there was also some very spiritual times. Like, it was, um, an awakening time and made me think more deeply about what I wanted to do with my life. And so through my own searching, um, through coaching, through meditation, through all sorts of trainings after law school, and when I was beginning to work as a lawyer too, I had decided that I wanted to be an artist. And I decided that I wanted that path to be not only about making art, but to be like a soul making. Journey first and foremost, and to see what art like flowed from that soul-making process. Um, and I wanted to make a life and a living and money doing that too. I wanted to fold it all into one. And when I looked around for where could I go to school for this, who can, who can I study with? There there might have been people to study with like but I didn't see any one place that like wrapped up all of these seemingly disparate, but not areas of interest and passions of mine. Um, and though meditation was really helpful in learning to trust myself more all the movement I was doing from running, swimming to Pilates yoga, that was very helpful. Um, and then Martha Beck, like one of the OGs for life coaching, following her work, reading all sorts of psychology, sort of like all of these, where I started to gather in from all of these places, the sort of the the wisdom tradition that I had been seeking. So that's that's kind that's, of background. Yeah. Well, that's it's lovely. It's following. Um, you know, you,
0: you got to that point where you were you were following your heart and listening to your call that calling of something bigger and, and knowing that there is something bigger and yeah. deeper and more, and um, and then the education, right? I mean, that's that's the piece of it is like um, a lot of times we can just sit in that feeling the lack of something, and yet you know, this is that you know having that um, space to. Research and go out and learn and try to be curious, attempt new things, yes. see what fits and what works and what resonates and, um, and what doesn't, you know. And so those are, um, that's that, that journey of, of growing and learning and, and taking in new things and finding what speaks to you. And, and, and along the way, finding your path, you know, and, um, listening and learning how to listen. <laughs>
1: Yes, yeah, I think like pres- being present with yourself and honoring, honoring your own intuition, honoring your own wisdom, um, and that was definitely a paradigm shift to go from being like the sort of traditional education system student—you receive, you consume, you take what's given to you, you conform—to instead, like, yeah, I don't know, soul on fire, be like excited and hungry for life, be questioning. You know, it's. Even places that say they are teaching critical thinking to be like, is it truly, like to question, right. is it truly teaching me critical thinking if then I'm also being told I can't think outside of these bounds or my thoughts aren't valid unless they're footnoted. Right. Which are yes. not my thoughts, and actually. <laughs> right.
0: Yeah. It's continuing to um, look at um, the all the boxes that… Um, even within these organizations or these are the different things that we're educating ourselves in and whatever uh, field or mode um, from physical to mental health or, you know, whatever they are is watching to see if there are are still boxes placed within those places of um, limiting uh, a belief or putting a, you know, drawing a line in the sand, so to to speak, um, of being able to really listen to what, what uh what maybe feels right or you know, is true to you, you know, and and or having your own beliefs around that, you know, it's like that really, um, you know, we're coming back into our um, the emotional well-being of things of coming into really listening to ourselves more mm-hmm. trusting, you know, and that's and that I think is the practice because we are not uh, supported and um until, you know, I think there's more and more now, however, um the culture has not been, supportive of, you know, what do you think? How do you feel? You know, is this right. is, it's more about this is how you think and this is how you feel. And um, I think that's caused a lot of our emotional unrest um, It's just the disconnection with ourselves.
1: Yes, and, you know, you, you, like, make a great point about how many times, like, or, or how many times have we experienced someone being present with us and listening and being with us, where we could feel the assumption that they felt there was wisdom within us, that they felt there was truth within us, that what we had to say, you know, our ideas, or our feelings were valuable, and that there was, like, beauty within us, that there was, like, meaning to be made, that there was intelligence. And I think that... um that can happen and it does happen. And I think, you know, like what I want to stand for is that it happens more and more. Um, because it's that like presence with ourselves, like in practicing that presence with ourselves. Yes. Um, it's such a different paradigm than like what's wrong with me? What do I need to do in order to get to a place where I'm okay? Like instead presence with hmm, what am I experiencing? Being curious about that and again, beginning with the assumption that there is something beautiful there, there's something wise there, there's life there, there is there's intelligence. And like that, we can do that with ourselves, we can do that with other people. And that's like the flip, the opposite of pathologizing, which is like, what's wrong with me? Why haven't I yet? How can I get to a place where I can, which then like assume like that immediately assumes that we don't have answers within, Mm -hmm. which goes back to your original question. And like, when I say like, or your original statement about, you know, how, how do we navigate this world where we have so much information and we could be looking out all the time. And there's so much, there's so much that is amazing about that. And what is the relationship, though, between that and then also centering within our own wisdom? And first of all, actually believing that we have that—that that we can be mm-hmm. a source of that—and you know—and for creatives and artists to believe, like, why not me? Why can't like these amazing creations and ideas come from me as well? And again, it's the relationship. Balancing that with learning craft, gaining knowledge, being curious and exploring and learning about the world and others.
0: Yeah, it's uh, a <laughs> it's, uh, it's a it's a minefield. <laughs> but, 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 it, but you know, there is that there is that uh, there is that thought process that can um, you know where the fear comes in. Right. And so I think that's, you know, that's that piece of really paying attention and learning, learning and doing the practice of um, watching what how we're thinking and what how we're speaking and the words that we use um, that create these limiting beliefs. Um, Because I think like, you know, what you're saying is that um, the emotional uh, component is a lot tied to what's going on in our heads. And what we thinking and, um, and that when we're creating all these roadblocks for ourselves um, or limiting beliefs, um, you know, and that's an understanding that those are just thoughts yeah. and that we can choose different thoughts and, um, and, you know, like, why not? Why can't I, you know, or, you know, and who am I not to? Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think um, exactly to your point there, like having an awareness of what we're thinking and what we're feeling, you know, and like scientifically speaking, there's a difference between feeling and emotion but I'm, for our purposes here, I might use them interchangeably, but um, but having an awareness of that and also having an awareness of like how thinking, how certain neural connections in our brain, certain ideas and thoughts create these little packets of chemicals that give us these physical sensations in our body. And that in general, like tells us who we are in the world. And so if we can begin to have an awareness of that happening, how our thinking and how our Feeling These physical sensations, these emotions are telling us who we are and therefore what we can do and not do, how we must act or not act. If we can become aware of that loop, um, then you can have this experience where you move it outside of yourself a little bit more. You become familiar with that process, which, you know, I talk to clients, I talk like the disidentifying with the thoughts and feelings Mm -hmm. because... A big roadblock for so many people is if they've never just heard that they are not their thoughts, right. their emotions, that you can experience thoughts and emotions. There's a lot of debate over whether it would be even appropriate or accurate to say we have thoughts or that we think. We actually don't know. That's how little we know about like this miraculous me- mechanism that is our mind, body, and that, that entire connection. As, I mean, it's like just like a cosmological miracle and phenomenon. So, but to take like thoughts and beliefs that constantly are telling us who we are, what our identity is, and to be able to move it outside and see them as options, as choices. And I know I'm making it sound simple, but that's the, that's the practice. And it's the practice of it, of creating this distance that then gives you an opportunity to respond rather than just be at the mercy of this constant thought feeling loop which is part of like how I got into doing what I was doing because I was in like a thought feeling loop in by the time I was in law school that was not serving me mm-hmm. i was i was like do i just have like a predisposition to depression like i knew there had been some of that in my family Um, Do I just have this predisposition to having a lot of self-loathing? Like that, that to me just felt like a life sentence to be trapped inside. And I didn't even have the, the, the knowledge about thought feeling loops. I just thought it just felt to me like who I was. And that's like, I'll hear clients who are new to this work say, it just feels true. And that is when thinking has become feeling. Just because something feels true, that just means it's been internalized. It was a game changer for me. Um, When I read and I was in law school, there was a, a brain researcher at the University of Iowa by the name of Nancy Andreessen, and she had written a book called The Creative Brain. So, of course, I had to read that. And it was the first time I had ever read the word neuroplasticity. And I remember underlining that word and circling that word because anything I had heard to that point, this was like the early aughts, um, was that you're basically screwed by the time you're in your early 20s, that we're hardwired, you are who you are. I was like, oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) And then she was like, no, neuroplasticity, actually the ability of the brain to change and then that sent me down this path of learning about the ability of the brain or the mind, who knows, to change itself. And that opening, that just that neuroplasticity was like a portal into possibility. And you know, that led down the roads of like lots of different meditation practices or self-inquiry practices, basically self-liberation practices and mind training practices and yeah. self-mastery. Practices to begin to again see oneself not as what you think and feel, but become aware of what you were thinking and feeling, and then begin to understand how that informs your identity and kind of then how that loop begins. How you, how we are, we are wired to try to stay consistent with the thoughts we believe about ourselves, and we can be so much more creative than. I just think there's infinite possibility for us to be creative in discovering like who we are, who we want to be creating, who we are, who we want to be, um, and what's available for us from the inside out. Yes.
0: yeah, and that's what I've always um, felt really connected with your work and um, speaking of, you know hearing truth um, coming from Leah is that you know this is this is this work about from the inside out you know of taking that time to um have those um intro you know introspections moments and that stillness to really hear what's going on inside and question some of those thoughts and beliefs you know write them out you know you know what what you're believing and or what you're thinking at the moment and and then really look at those things and you know question is that really true um, and being able to see that um, we can choose and change how we are looking at things and um, uh, rewording and recreating our present moment and, you know, even our past, how we're thinking about our past. Yes. Um, and so, and of course, you know, that applies to the future too. However, it all starts from the right now, right? It's in this moment. Yeah. And um, so it's, and it's remembering that um, and, and, that it is a practice because it's, you know, and it's not, you know, in some respects it can be very simple. However, it's also extremely challenging and I don't want to say hard, but I, you know, at times that's how it feels. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and yet it's so worth it. Oh, and I want (laughs) to give like you credit too for, because I think one of the reasons it can, be hard and challenging is because it's not something that's constantly reinforced by much of the world. And so like, when you do what you've done, like, I'm going to create a podcast, I'm going to create this summer of purpose series. Like you are being like a pioneer, you're kind of spearheading you when know, you think of the geese, like that lead, the one at the the front, it's like breaking wind and for everybody else. And so, um, I just want to like say that to acknowledge, like, the amount of courage that it takes that, like, when it's hard, it's because you're doing something that's hard and strong. And then also that it will make it easier for others once these kind of practices start to become more and more the norm. And also for anyone listening who is like, well, how can I make it sustainable? And how can I work through the fact that it's challenging? I would say to, Get, promise yourself that you'll find community or another yeah. because even just one other person who is on this path, right? Or if you find a tribe and to to let that process be a process too, like not to be like, oh, I, I went to one meditation meeting and everybody there was weird, not my people. <laughs> It tells you then who your people might be, right? And you keep going until you find those friends and those allies in that community. Because I have seen that be such a catalyst, almost like miraculously, for transformation and change where people were trying to go it on their own for a long time, but then having a tribe that was like a sanctuary that they could come into. I think what it does is like quiets the part of our central nervous system that's like, I am way out here on my own. I don't belong. I'm going to get thrown out. And instead they're witnessed by others. And you experience both this liberation from doing this practice. And you also experience a sense of belonging. And that is an amazing thing and can really have this amplifying exponential effect on, I mean, this reward of the process and also also progress yes
0: yeah that is a an extremely um, valid and um, so true statement of how community can um, bring in that um, that support the validation and just that you know that re- the reminders like you're saying you know that it, it is challenging because or not it's it's you know this um being self-compassionate and kind and gentle and, and being int- and, uh, introspective and, re- and, and caring what's going on within ourselves. Self-care um, has, is not something that is taught and um, and promoted. Mm-hmm. And so finding a community and finding people, finding places that you can surround yourself with that information mm-hmm. and having that um, as a, a s- continual support and reminders, having those, having reminders. Um, and bring yourself back, you know, and I, I find that for myself, very true as well. Like it's so easy to go down the rabbit hole when you're on your own. And, you know, especially when you get those thought loops going and you're not getting it verbally outside of yourself, Yes. Um, even, or even writing about it, um, and getting it out so you can see it, um, that it can really create, um, hours, days, maybe even weeks for you know, however I could say with doing the work, it does get shorter and it does get yes. easier and you, when you come out of those moments, you're, you're. It's like, okay, that's where I was, and that's okay. And then, what am I gonna, you know, looking at? How, what am I gonna learn from um, getting caught in, um, you know, maybe not a great mental uh, space, um, and using that as information and not as another place to be hard on ourselves and berate ourselves because um, we're not good enough or we're not, we don't have this down or we're not perfect or yeah all the labels that we want to put on things.
1: Yeah. And I was like, you know, I, I would be hesitant to ever say there's a silver bullet for something. And so this is not a silver bullet, but this is really, I can't overemphasize how important this, what I'm going to say next is to the process. Um, curiosity, like, mm-hmm an energy, an attitude, an orientation of curiosity. I mean, it's such a close companion to then, it makes kindness more accessible. It makes compassion towards self and others more accessible. But if you start to, if you kind of have a commitment from the beginning, like what, how does curiosity approach this? Like what's going on in my brain? I like to tell people that You know, what's happening for them to take it out of the realm of some sort of spiritual or character defect or flaw, and instead to be like, this is neurobiology. This is my brain working. This is millennia upon millennia of evolution that I am working with here. (laughs) It's no small task. <laughs> and so and and also and so curiosity is is not just like this all this like nice soft whimsical approach there's also now i mean there's plenty of thousands of years of wisdom traditions that have espoused like curiosity being the path towards mastery um, and now too we have advan- enough advances in neuroscience to where we can actually see states like curiosity not like, but states of curiosity in the brain and states of playfulness in the brain are when our brains are most plastic. That means when we are curious, when we are playful, that is actually when we're able to most change our brains, literally rewire them. So when we are most curious and most playful, That is literally when we are most able to change our lives from the inside out. Because when we change our brains, we change our external reality. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to offer that part of the neuroscience for any skeptics on the fence We're like, I don't know. I kind of think being a little jaded and hard on myself is really the way to go. Cause I know that's a lot of conditioning. It was like conditioning that I had. Can't let go of being hard on myself. Like that's part of how I got this far. Well, that's also part of like why I got myself so miserable. And Mm -hmm. it can seem scary to let go of the quote unquote security of being depressed and pessimistic.
0: Yeah, what we're used to.
1: Right, and and instead embrace curiosity um, and playfulness. And so, again, it's backed up by the neuroscience. Like, that's actually when we change. And also, curiosity and playfulness. Also, it's not just sticking your head in the sand, but those are also the states in which we are most creative, which has been shown in the neuroscience as well. When we are curious and we are playful, We have access to the areas of the brain. Literally, they can see blood flow going to the areas of the brain, where, like the prefrontal cortex, areas of higher executive functioning, also like the imaginal mind, long-term memory. Mm -hmm. So we can access our whole life's experience to look at the problem in front of us or the opportunity in front of us. Whereas when we're closed down into a survival fight or flight mode, which is what happens when we're critical of ourselves or we feel threatened because we're in a critical environment, biologically, just neurobiologically, blood will not go to those higher functioning places Mm -hmm. in the brain. It will just go to our immediate survival and it'll be very self-interested and very short term. So it is really in our interest, our best interest, our highest intelligence. Our, um, it promotes our highest creativity. And I think for the, the planet and our species and other species as well, to cultivate states of curiosity and playfulness. And it's also nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it feels so much better. Yes, it's so much more fun. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah, um, that um, that's very true, and then that's that ties in. Um, I had mentioned um, on our kickoff, um, Dr. Joe Dispenza, because um, he yeah. does have done a lot of work around that, and just that um, when we're bringing in affirmations or I think, mantras or things that we're wanting to retrain, reshape in our our minds or in our beliefs, um, is to bring in that space of gratitude, um, yeah. which is you know tied into that. You know, put, you know, place of, and, and sometimes I feel like gratitude is a place, um, if people don't feel playful or curious, you know, do not, can't get there, you know, it's like, start with that space of gratitude. Cause hopefully all of us have some little thing, you know, whether or not it's like taking a breath right now, you know, being grateful for that moment, um, to much bigger things and being able to then access that space, then, it then, um, getting into a space of curiosity and playfulness and just bringing in that, um, uh, you know the the higher emotions, the higher frequency emotions and feelings. Um, that, as you said, those are where change happens, and that's where things yeah. open up. And um, you said it so very well. I explained it beautifully of how that all works. And um, and it and that is that practice of paying attention to creating more spaces of that for ourselves. Yeah. Um, so that we can um, go there and access that and. That it is, it you know, I, cause this is something that I've been playing with myself, um, a lot because I, um, have a tendency to get hard on myself and berate myself. And, um, and at some point, you know, I'm, I'm getting better about seeing it and watching it and then not going, you know what, that it's, it's a choice to choose. You know what? I, I am tired of suffering. I am tired of feeling this way and choosing, choosing a different way. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, so it, it's just that it's just those little steps. It's that practice of doing a little bit at a time, researching about it, understanding how it works um, and allowing yourself to be more curious about it because it's not just because um, someone said something once, you know, kind of thing is really understanding it a little bit deeper helps it make more sense to, okay. Yes. I want to give that a, want to give that a whirl.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And in like, you, like one thing that I'm hearing what you're saying that is so important, and so I just like want to draw it out and make it like, because you're 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 talking about a very powerful tool too, and you and you started to say this before too in another time, and I wanted to touch on it. Um, because it's an easy thing for people to grab onto and to take away is to think about the power of state, like physiological state and changing your state, because we started to talk about like the thought feeling loop. And, you know, and as you were saying, one can go down that road of starting to be hard on oneself. And that's a particular physiological state of being. And when we're in that physiological state of being, and I'll talk to clients when they're in that physiological state of being, and I won't, while they're still in that state, be able to talk them out of it. And they get really frustrated and sad and angry with themselves because they can't talk themselves out of it. And that to me, like that was something I was obsessed with figuring out because that was for so long, like the prison I felt I lived in was that I would get into this state where I felt so hard. And I'm like, why can't I think better? Why can't I think better? But I just, it was, I wanted to, but the more I wanted to, but couldn't, then it was just feeding into the negativity. Right, right. Now I know that there is a term for that called state-dependent learning. So when you're in a particular state, then you are just able to think, access, thoughts, emotions, energy that are equal to that state.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So for instance, like here's a specific example of like, if you have a child, let's say you have a toddler and they're throwing a tantrum, like the worst thing to do is to try to reason them out of the tantrum because the emotion needs to run through their body. They they can't biologically access reason at that time. I mean, toddlers sometimes have a hard time accessing any reason, but (laughs) it's impossible at that time. And so then you see adults like, like then getting angrier that the top and then at themselves and the toddler and nobody is accessing reason at that time. And so it's like these times ourselves when we feel these like more toddler like states come We're like, I know better. I know better. Why don't I do better? Right. It's to understand you're not going to reason your way out of this. Like, and so to breathe and be aware And then also something, um, I've done a podcast episode on this and I've talked to clients about it, like energy first, Mm. because sometimes think about dropping language, dropping intellect, and instead shifting, how can you shift energy? And maybe it's being out in nature. Maybe it's something like, I will go to bed and get a good night's sleep. And tomorrow I'll be in a better state. Maybe it is talking to somebody that you trust. But starting to like really become aware and knowing yourself for what things are effective state changers for you. You know, is it like, do you have a funny friend or is it funny movies? Um, For me, well, and for a lot of my clients when I was just being alone, just being absolutely alone for a while, Um, making art, whatever, like just knowing what it is for you But sometimes having that sort of destination first of, okay, how can I shift my state? Oh, physical movement, exercise is an amazing way to change state. And once you change state, then you can be like, okay, in this state, what story do I want to tell? And how can I reflect on that painful experience? Because it's that that equation of like pain plus reflection equals like growth and progress. And like, that's like, that's the way we can then like ask ourselves, how did I evolve today? And so we don't have to be perfect about never having these down moments or tantrums or even like down weeks, but we can instead be curious and be like, what was going on there? And, um, tools that are evidence-based tools, like third-person distancing, which essentially sounds like this. I would say, Leah, you seem like you're really scared and angry right now. What's going on, sweetheart? What's going on? Because Leah is experiencing a lot of fear, like Leah's legs are shaking. Her head feels like it's going to fly off. <laughs> like, <laughs> And and it is again an evidence-based tool that that third-person distancing that moves you just it creeps you back into the realm of out of control, being completely overwhelmed by hard emotions and back into like calmer more more agency with your responses.
0: Yeah. That come back to it's good to talk to yourself out loud. It is no, absolutely. I've had other, other, some other coaches that talk, talk out loud to yourself, you know, and it's like, but however, you know, explaining it in that way, it's very uh, makes a lot of sense um, to take it outside of ourselves to be able to see it differently, Um, and it also comes back to um, being reminded of that space of accepting where we are, um, whether you know, because being in the moment, you know, and in the moment. If we're not feeling good or we have, um we're being hard on ourselves or whatever, we can't break that cycle, you know, you know. okay, what can I do, you know, and, and doing the practice of learning what it is for us so that we kind of, we can pull on those tools. When we get into that space, we go, okay, I know I need to go for a walk right now, or I need to go have some quiet time or whatever that is Um, and have that all be okay. You know, it's like that coming back to, this is just information. This is, you know, to be yeah. curious about it, it's information. And this too will pass. Yes. And yeah.
1: And you're like reading my mind with that. And that's okay. Because that's like, like another tool to like, that's a specific tool to be like, to when you label, to be like, Leah, you are feeling so angry mm. right now. And that's okay. And, right. or Leah, you are feeling so insecure right now. And that's okay. That's okay. And again, Sometimes people get afraid that that is acceptance is like resignation and that you're never going to move, but it's actually um what's called in psychology the paradox of change that the first requirement to change is acceptance of what is. Yeah. Yeah. And and sometimes people are surprised to hear me say that because I think of myself as like, uh, like a possibility, <laughs> standing for possibility and even standing for making the impossible possible. Right. But it's that paradox mm-hmm. and it's that paradox of how you do that. You're like, right. okay, and here's where we are right now. And where are we, like, what's the vision? Right. Acceptance of the present moment with where you are in that moment. It's not a
0: yeah. surrender and acceptance of... Okay, my life is a mess right now. It's acceptance yeah. of this is how I feel right now, yeah. And surrendering to that moment. And all right, now how to, you know, and then when you're talking out, out loud to yourself too and saying that's okay, it's you're giving yourself permission to, yeah. you know, and without with and learning to trust that from your from you and not needing anyone else to give you permission to do, feel, you know, be validated or whatever. It's it's coming back to um, listening and trusting yourself and knowing that you have your back.
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah. And, and and that like, you love yourself so much. You're willing to allow yourself like difficult emotions. Yes. And, and I want to be really clear too. So, um, there's no like, so no one listening is like, Oh, does accepting mean then I accept my bad thoughts about myself. That's not what I mean. Right. But accepting that right now, like what your emotional state is, that will give you like more of the equanimity and the peace. That will give you more of a sense on of standing on this inner sacred stable ground, where you can be like, okay, I get that this is where I am right now, but that doesn't mean I need to feel this way forever, and I for sure don't need to accept this particular thought about myself. If right. That particular thought is causing you so much pain, it's a lie. And that, so I just wanted to be clear that when I say accept, it doesn't mean accept like any, you know, uncompassionate, unloving stories about yourself, but it means like accepting your humanity and that humans feel all things and whatever, whatever your experience is in that moment is valid.
0: And it's, it's, and, and it's, and coming back to being reminded about it's an energy state, you know, emotion is an energy and, um, allowing that energy uh, gives it the chance to dissipate and move versus the stuffing and containing and holding it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and so like what goes along with this beautifully, you know, when you're talking about energy state is to then think, to have these tools on how to be with oneself With emotions that are challenging. And then also, how to create practices, spaces in your life to allow yourself to envision more of the states of what you want to have. How, Mm -hmm. like, to give yourself the space to ask yourself questions like, what is my self ideal? What is he, she, they, how do they feel like waking up in the morning? What are their thoughts? Like, what is that? What is my self ideal? Am I on the road to that? And again, creating that space, we start to meditate on that. And our brain is already changing once we are like meditating on this vision of the self ideal. And what's key here, too, is to do it with curiosity and not in a sort of, I will only be okay once I'm there, mm, sort yes. of life. Right. Because um, the magic is that person is not in a state of, I will be okay when. That person that you're meditating on, that ideal person, if you examine them closely in their consciousness from the inside out, you will see they are where they are. And they're not postponing their permission to be happy or joyful or present until some future moment. When they've reached some arbitrary goal of being a quote unquote better person. So again, like that's the paradox of change that you can you can unlock, discover by meditating on a self-ideal. Is that okay, what's one of the things that's so amazing about your self-ideal? And take people far enough into that inquiry and they'll be like, they're at peace. Mm -hmm. They like themselves, they like what they do when they make mistakes. They learn from it. They're wise because of that. And all of those things we don't need to postpone to some future date. All of those things are things that we can practice and cultivate like today. And so, you know, just knowing terms of like entrainment, if we're talking about energy, if we're like wanting entrainment is like basically we're syncing up with a certain energy. And we can entrain ourselves, let's say, to a negative, like to anxiety, mm-hmm. or we can entrain ourselves to the self-ideal. And a self-ideal doesn't mean they never have any problems, but it's somebody who navigates challenge and difficulty, but also joy and opportunity with a certain set of mastery. And so starting to like I, I like this for me. It's always been helpful to think about being an energetic learner. Mm-hmm. And whether that's mirror neurons or what's going on, but to think about, okay, who are the real people I know in my life that have certain kind of energies that I can entrain myself to, that I can just be like, how are they? How how can I be? I like that. I like I like how they're, you know, they've got a mischievous twinkle in their eye and they have fun. Or I like how their feathers aren't ruffled when you know their day doesn't go well, whatever it is. So just like we can have role models that are either living, dead, real-life people, we can also like entrain ourselves to this ideal self, and we can also then think about the ways in which our energy can might be something that we can offer to others.
0: Yes. Yes, well, I believe that we we are we are all connected, and so yeah. that whatever energy that we're embodying and carrying throughout the day, we are affecting not only just the people right next to us and around us. Is you know it's, it is going out there, you know, and so remembering at some level, remembering that yeah. that we all are putting contributing to the pot, <laughs> and yeah. part of the you know the macro macrocosm, you know. So paying attention to our microcosm.
1: Yes. Yeah. I think that's like another way of being creative, right? And of, of having an impact on the world is to truly think of yourself as having that kind of impact. Right. And, and power. I mean, just the way there are people who are have devoted their lives to meditating all day or to praying for others that they will never meet meet and are strangers. And I think a lot of the pressure that's happening in the world, the intensity, like there's this inflection point. And I think one of the invitations, particularly since I get to have so many like beautiful, intimate conversations with people is that ordinary people are feeling called to take on a more extraordinary and yet also like humble orientation and understanding of themselves. And I think one thing that's resonated with a lot of people I've talked to is to think of themselves as um, contemplatives and contemplative creatives, like philosophers who live out and amongst the world who don't just think about philosophy and what might make a good way to live, but they want to embody. They want to be an example of what human flourishing can be. And if you've ever been around somebody who is flourishing, you know how good that feels and you and you can you you want to be around them, you want to learn from them, and you can learn from them just by being around them. So you know, when I was reading some of the beautiful questions that you sent me ahead of time, and one said, "What was your philosophy?" I'm like, "Oh, geez, that's my <laughs> philosophy. <laughs> I know my art school I know the art school philosophy is. By cultivating an extraordinarily creative way of being, your extraordinary dreams and results and art become inevitable. But like this seemed like a, a bigger question. And I'm like, I my philosophy is like I stand for deep human flourishing, like that that's possible. And that that not to say that, not to overstate my role. <laughs> like I, I know how enormous that is, but I think if I could like sum up what I want to do in life and be like, I want to stand for this in life. I want to stand for so when someone is like, what's possible for me? I want to stand for deep human flourishing, like that we need more and more people who are willing to like say something that sounds so like radical. I don't think it's ridiculous, but it sounds so ra- like the deep human flourishing is possible because I think it's that kind of hope and possibility that then gives people an invitation to be like yeah i want to see what deep human flourishing like what that means for me yes. and and i feel like that's how we're going to change is more of this grassroots individuals who are hungry needing a different way of being in the world to stop thinking of themselves as small individual humans isolated from one another but instead yeah. as you said to embrace their knowing that we're connected And to embrace this greater purpose. And sometimes having a greater, like having greater language, like contemplative, like creative, like creative creativity activist, like having these things that like gives your heart room to grow and gives you room to be like, it's okay to have this be a practice in my life. I can be this and a mother, and a father, and a partner, and an employee or entrepreneur. I can be all of those things and be this philosopher, be this artist, be this, um, yeah, this creative contemplative.
0: I love that. I love that. And that, you know, flourishing for ourselves. And then when we when we flourish, you know, we all, we, we are, flur- you know, everybody flourishes yeah. and, yeah. and, and remembering, you know, cause it comes back down to that community piece that we, um, when we can get outside of ourselves and be so focused on us too, you know, and knowing that there, that there is this ripple effect and that we, yeah. that we can make a difference. However, if, it, if it's, even if it's with our, you know, thoughts and feelings and emotions and how we're feeling about ourselves all the way to, you know, being called to do something, something more or different or, or, or bigger, whatever that may be. Um, yes. Yeah.
1: It's, it, yeah. it's
0: being part of the flourishing.
1: It, it is. And um, I mean, I think of you as like a creative contemplative and a creativity activist and, you know, the thing, what you were saying earlier about us all being connected. Like if that is true, and I think like that's something that we say a lot, I think, but like more and more we're waking up to what that actually means. And this is one thing that technology has done. It's, you know, it's said that like technology, we we create in our technology and in our art and essentially what our invisible interior realities are. So like with the internet, we've created a worldwide web that is a physical manifestation of the invisible World Wide Web that many wisdom traditions have talked about for a long time, but which a lot of the material, like modern materialistic world has denied because it can't see. But now we have one that's a little bit more visible. We can see it because we have like laptops and I can see you here from Anchorage while I'm in Michigan. We're like, something must be happening even if I don't understand it. Yeah. <laughs> and so, in there's that story about you know, monkeys on, on different islands, I think in the South Pacific, and they, they eat some sort of like root vegetable or like sweet potatoes. Well, monkeys on one Island started like washing the potatoes in the river. And then not long after monkeys on the other Island did as well, but there was no way they could have traveled. So things like that, if, if like, so people to, to not think that they're, um, you know, pursuing their passion and their development and pursuing this practice. What is selfish is also encompassing of the whole is also universal. Yes. So it moves it moves everyone forward.
0: Yes, it does. <laughs> yeah. Oh goodness. Wow. We've had a we've had a fun
1: conversation, Leah. I- yes, I know. They always are with you. I love talking yeah. with you. I don't, well, I feel like I'm like, well, we could, we, we could keep going. <laughs> yes.
0: um, you had mentioned early that you had a tool you're going to share. And I don't know if that was one that you actually shared while we were talking. Hmm. There was one that you had in mind that you wanted to share.
1: Yes. Yeah. So one um, was a prompt and I, and I did share part of that. It's like the the curious exploration of yes. what is myself ideal and giving yourself permission to explore that and to explore that with curiosity And never using the self-ideal against you, but using it instead as this sage, beautiful spirit that that whispers back to you, this way, that way, this way, that way. That was one. Um, And to ask yourself along the way these simple questions about what's working, what's not working, and what could I do differently? And being in conversation with the self-ideal. And so that's like a navigation tool, inner and outer. And the other practice, because I was thinking about this theme of emotional well-being, and I wanted to offer a tool that's you can access anywhere. So the um, one of the first places I learned it was from a book that's been around at least a few decades, Les Femi, called Open Focus. He was a researcher at Stan- Stanford. Okay. And... It's also a meditation technique that's taught in different methodologies and, tra- and traditions, but it's essentially like beginning with your vision, like letting your vision move from being narrow to more open and diffuse. And so I like to think of it as starting to expand my vision first 180 degrees, but then also above the horizon line, below the horizon line, and then even imagining as if I could see behind me. So starting to imagine my vision becoming diffuse and being able to see 360 above, below, to either side. And the part that I've added on over the years is this feeling of my consciousness dropping from being mostly in my head to being more centered, like in my heart or solar plexus or just center. And it feels more like this radiant heart awareness. And you can start to feel your your breathing will want to like deepen to match that Mm -hmm. too. Mm -hmm. And just with practice, I mean, you can start to be able to achieve a state change, a physiological state change in a matter of seconds. And within a matter of seconds to minutes, your stress hormones will decrease and you will move into the state that I I like the mantra, like awareness over analysis. Mm. And that does not mean you have abandoned intelligence whatsoever. It means you are now deliberately accessing a different kind of intelligence and wisdom. And to me, it feels very creature-like. Sometimes I've called it like creature mode just awareness, not so much trapped in the narrow focus of analysis.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that, again, like really is, um, I mean, it's a practice that's accessible. And the more you practice it, the, the quicker, the more agile you'll become. And it can also help you then be aware of when you're in more of a fight or flight state. You'll notice because there's contrast, you'll notice the difference And then you'll notice your ability to modulate more between states, to be more agile at going from when do you want to have this narrow focus, which is very kind of predator-like and hunter-like, which is very vigilant and very like locked in, sometimes necessary. And like when do you want to have this more open focus? And I I, it's like almost automatic for me now. I can't almost like say the word without feeling my my breathing deepen and my heart open. So um, that that is so simple and so powerful, and that's an like one of the easiest, most effective ways you can begin to change your brain like that. Mm-hmm. You can begin to develop a stronger um, mind body connection and start to feel like, oh, I'm not at the whim of like my emotions or thinking or feeling. This is how I can access a different state. Right, and and when you access a different state, you access different possibilities.
0: The only thing we have control over, right there, right,
1: right. <laughs> and that is like when I learned them, like why don't we learn this from kindergarten? Right, and I've taught it. I've taught it to children. Children, <laughs> they can they can do it, and yeah. to have that just always available to yeah. you in your back yeah. pocket. And then the third, you know, and this is like a tool, but a practice is really to create, to make something in life, to like, to create, whether it's like a meal or a painting, mm-hmm. a letter, a song, or a poem on the back of an envelope that, and that, this is not just again, another like whimsical, warm, fuzzy thought. It's like from 20 years of doing this now, like personally, and then working with clients, there's a wellspring of well-being that people experience when they make and when they create and to have permission to do that, even if you don't think you're an artist. I feel like that, it's like finding a lung that you've been breathing with one lung your whole life. And you're like, wait, there's two? <laughs> like that much more oxygen? When people start to create, it's like there is there is joy. There's a life force that comes back online and it moves and affects every single part of their life. Even the most jaded skeptics I've had who have been like doctors, lawyers, executives who are like, first of all, I'm not creative. Second of all, that's silly. Third of all, I don't have time. And I'm like, well, what do you pay me for that? <laughs> like, <laughs> just try it. And if I'm wrong, you can, we can have this conversation again. Like, yeah. just try it. And there, there is, there is a light that comes back on and, and again, the best word I can think of is like there's access to this wellspring of well-being and energy.
0: Yeah The, the deeper access. You know new perspectives create, you know, we don't know where they're going to take us and yeah. you know being able to go, go drop into and be into that state of present more in presence and in touch with ourselves, our body, our our um, and the mystery.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think like when you make, you are, you open a vein, like a river to the cosmos that creativity runs along and creativity carries this essence with it. And you will feel like more like yourself and also like blissfully self-forgetting.
0: I love that. I'm going to be um, doing a little of of a, a little sharing on a uh, creative experimentation down the road. And so this is like, oh, um, I, oh, I can't wait for that. Yeah. Well, it's, it's all the, you know, what you're just talking about being able to access and play, even if you think you're not an artist or you're not creative, you know, because as I you know, we've talked about we're we are all creative and yes. it just comes out and diff- you know, shows itself in different ways and we can take the labels off of what that is. So,
1: yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, well, thank
0: you so much for being with me here today. Oh, sharing. And tell me, tell us all about where we can find you.
1: Um, so I have a website, it's www.leascb.com. I have a podcast, but there are 217 episodes and and I'm currently not creating new episodes, but there are, there's plenty there. There's lots of people, good, yes, yes. lots to dive into. And if you sign up for my newsletter, Either on my website or you can also find me on Instagram. That's a good place. That's a great place actually to connect and play and talk. Uh, it's at Leah CB1. So at L E A H C B 1. There are also links there um, in my bio to sign up for the newsletter because we like through the newsletter, you will always have access to transcripts and podcasts and whatever happenings there are in the art school um and in the art school community so I love to connect with people that way
0: yeah great and we'll we'll include um, all your connections um, oh, thank you with in the video and elsewhere so that you could be that people can find you thank you my, oh, my goodness, goodness. <laughs> just like that fly the fly you're just magnetic just but, yeah.
1: part of it <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh well thank you so much for taking the time out of your your wonderful, beautiful, enriching summer that you're having. And um, I look forward to talking with you again soon and um, being able to share share all your your goodness.
1: Oh, thank you, Gayla. And thank you to all your listeners for participating. It always makes the conversation, it yes. enriches the conversation just to know that there's um, a wider community. So I yeah, I really appreciate it.
0: Yes. Thank you. Thank you very much, Phil. We'll talk to you soon, Leah. Talk soon. Thank you for listening to the Art of Purpose podcast. I hope you found today's episode insightful and inspiring. If you enjoyed our time together, please take a moment to rate and review this show on your favorite podcast platform. Your feedback helps us reach more people and spread the message of personal growth and self-discovery. Also, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And for more daily inspiration, follow me on Instagram. My handle is at Gayla Designs. That's G-A-Y-L-A Designs or go to galadesigns.com and subscribe to my email list. Thank you for being a part of this community. I look forward to sharing more insights and encouragement with you on the next episode of the Art of Purpose podcast.